getting googly. King waves, Fox Beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kim packs that, you has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, January 18th, 2024. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. Welcome to episode 571 of Trek Talking. Um, At least I think it's episode 571. We had a little patch where we had to cancel some shows due to technical difficulties, and I'm not sure if those shows were counted, even though they were canceled. But by my estimates, it's around episode 571. So uh, I apologize if it's not exactly perfect, but that would be why. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, with you. And uh, before we go too far, I want to let you guys know that we have a copy of Patrick Stewart's uh, memoir, Making It So. And we want to give it to you. But obviously, you have to do something to win it, right? So all you have to do is head over to trektalking.com, and in the bottom right-hand corner, you will see a little round blue talkback mic. Just click on that. You have two minutes to leave us a message, be creative, be persuasive, and tell us why you deserve to win the copy of that book. On our Book Nook episode on the 29th, uh, we're going to be reviewing that book, and we're going to be picking the winner. Uh, so you want to get that in oh, sooner the better. In fact, do it right now. Why are you waiting? Trucktalking.com, Blue Talkback mic, simple, easy, and you can win a copy of Patrick Stewart's memoir, Making It So. Uh, before we go any further, though, I want to introduce to you my awesome Trexperts, and we'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I think the weather's finally getting back to the low 60s where it belongs and not having 30s in the morning, hopefully. Well, I would kill for some 30s. I'd be outside in my shorts and T-shirts if it would hit 30. It is so cold. In Ver- oh, it's just bitter, bitter cold here. Wind chill just goes right through your coat, right through your gloves, right through your hat. It's just awful. Awful, 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 but uh, we'll get through it. We will get through it. We will persevere. It's Vermont. We're Vermont strong. That's what you get up here. But uh, my poor camper, I just can't wait to get up to camp. And uh, we're going to swing out to Portland where I have my trifecta, my triple play um, out there, my hat trick. And we'll start off with Eric. Your How frozen you tonight, trio. Eric? The frozen trio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we're definitely a frozen trio out here, man. Uh, we It's been a little bit crazy. I feel a little bit like Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining, like frozen in place, just staring because I am coated in ice. Everything is coated in ice around here. 
and the cabin fever is setting in. So uh, if I'm a little silly tonight, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. We're going to be truck talking, so we'll have something to do. And also in Portland, we have the donut guy, David, but he forgot the donuts. So tonight he's the cookie guy. How you doing, David? Cookie monster. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's really cold out. Um, I think I even see a frozen squirrel in the tree somewhere. But um, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I got ice cold coming off of everything. <laughs> I uh, I was playing. I was trying to play Starfleet Command Three, and believe it or not, the Packlids overran the Klingon Empire. They kicked my ass. Packlids. I mean, Star Trek Armada Three. Armada three. Can you believe that? A bunch of tackling. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tackling a bunch of lead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back, reboot it, and try it again. And we also have Portland, our very own toy guy Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? Hey man, greetings from Ice Station Zebra. <laughs> it's just nuts out here. As uh, the other guys were saying, yeah, it's uh, it's getting kind of old, uh, but you know, I I <laughs> believe me, I have nothing to complain about because we've been lucky enough to be able to have power the entire time. Um, there's been people I know who had no power for like over four days, right? And some of the more outlying areas and stuff. And uh, there's been people, you know, lost their lives in this thing. It's, crazy as it sounds, but uh, but they really have. It's just been absolutely nuts. So, uh, yeah, it, wow. uh, I, we're hoping it gets a little bit warmer, but it's just, it just really throws a wrench in things um, because, you know, if you've got your kids home from school, it, it, your whole work dynamic changes and everything changes, and it's just kind of like, all right, kind of uh, done, Mother Nature. So, yeah, snow I can handle. Snow is great, but uh, after a day or two of this, it's... Uh, you got to be done. <laughs> well, the, I've got some news for you then. You're going to love it. everybody that's listening, and particularly you, Paul. I have been in contact with Frank from Miko. They produce the 8-inch, uh, eight, uh, 6-inch, the, the larger uh, figures. Are they 8-inch? I think they're 8, right? You're talking, um, what's, what's, the, what's, the, uh, what's the company again? Miko. Oh, Migo. I had, I misunderstood yeah, what you said. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Uh, um, if well, you know, I I would have yeah, to look that up. They're either ones. seven or eight inches sizes. I'm pretty sure yeah. they're eight inch because they're a little bit bigger yeah. format figure. If they're the ones I'm thinking of, like you're talking about, like their 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 current Star Trek line, right? Yeah, yeah they're kind of like a retro big. style. Yeah, they're they're bigger even than like NECA figures. Um, they're eight inch. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, I've been in contact with them, and they're going to be coming out with an Andorian and also a Telosian. And they're going to be on the podcast, and we're going to have those to give away to our lucky listeners. When are they Uh, coming on? Do we know what day yet? I just got got an email from him before the show, and they are available on any Thursday, they said. So I emailed them back, and I said, will you tell me what Thursday works for you, and we will make it happen. So it's going to be soon. I okay. don't want to give you guys midnight back. Thursday it's next gonna, week. It's going to be it. soon. And all you need to do is let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking at 646-668-2433. And you can tell Frank what figures you'd like to see them make or make a comment about uh, the Michael Burnham figures or the Saru figures or Q or any of the other ones that are already out there. 
and then you will get one in the mail absolutely free. How much easier could it be than that? It's pretty cool. You know, Amigo's really interesting because they've done some stuff with their Star Trek license that nobody else has done. As far as I know, they are the only, only, only toy company that has ever done a original series Salt Vampire figure. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that they have the uh, the distinction of being the only ones to have ever produced that character's likeness uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, that's I worth acknowledging. Exactly. I want salt too. So they, they have an interesting niche for themselves in the in the toy collecting area there. They have a lot of good stuff. So it'll be super curious uh, to talk with uh, what's it, Frank is it the gentleman's name? Frank. Yeah, yeah it'll be great guy. to talk to Frank and uh, and hear what's going on and because uh, you know this is an interesting time for for Trek. So it'll be curious as hell to hear what uh, what they got planned. So very cool, man. It's Another be, good get. It might be next Thursday. It might be the following Thursday, but it's going to be soon. We okay. can rework. Uh, major madness show yet again if we need to uh, but, well it's good um, to be flexible you know you got to be nimble right when you're having a show like yeah this. but uh that's great so, Any, it'd be lovely to, to chat with the guy and find out more so another uh you've been getting so many great guests jim i don't know that you're gonna make it hard to uh top yourself at this rate and let's not forget that we're gonna have robin curtis and vaj potenza are gonna be on talking with us about star trek three as well so um, that's Tuesday, I do believe, right? I think it's Tuesday. Well, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I think it's Tuesday. Um, they're going to be on with us. So we got a lot of stuff going on for you guys. And just remember, I, I'm going to say this a thousand times, but if you can't get through to us on the show, if you want to win an Andorian or a Salt Vampire or whatever figures uh, Frank is gracious enough to give to us, and you're in Australia like that one dude, or uh, you're in Japan or Beijing or wherever you happen to be, and you can't listen to us live right now Thursday night, that's okay, because you can always go to trektalkin.com, click on the blue talk back mic in the bottom right-hand corner, and leave us a message. So we don't want to cut anybody out of winning these awesome figures. So you can always do Go to our trucktalking.com and leave us a message. So um, that's pretty much all my news that, that uh, is fit for print right now. Um, we have 133,416 downloads of our podcast and 208,890 followers on our Facebook page. And if you guys missed it, if you guys missed it, we had an awesome show Thursday night with Elizabeth Dennehy, uh-huh. uh, a.k.a. LB. It was a blast and a half. <laughs> and if you missed it, um, go right to our Facebook page, and I have it pinned right to the top. Click on it and give it a listen because it was a lot of fun to talk with Elizabeth Dennehy. Um, so check that out if you missed it. Did you guys have a good time talking with Elizabeth? I, I, mm-hmm. She was the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dynamite guest. She was really super smart, and you know she's from like you know a, a showbiz family, right? Given her father and everything. I mean, so she's got so many amazing things to talk about. I mean, just knows the business backwards and forwards, and uh, you know she's you know I, I played an iconic Star Trek character. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. And she's just really funny, and uh, and then massive Shakespeare fan. So it was just like uh-huh. gold, brother. 
I mean, that was a, yep. she's so, a lovely, lovely guest. I, I really hope that they do, uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that she's, you know, she, she's a smart whip, man. Get her on more shows uh, like they did with Picard here. Don't kill her off. You know, that's a mistake. You know, well, make sure that she comes back. If we don't see a body, she's not dead. Right. Oh, hey, you can even bring people back from the dead. Come on, you know. You, you can, can that's right. multiple times. Said we can just Genesis her back to life. Data's <laughs> but yeah, died but she times. was a lovely, lovely <laughs> guest, man. That was a real a real treat. So good times. Check that out if you guys didn't get a chance to. Uh, before before we, we've got some callers on the line here. So before we take some calls, before we get to our fan shout-outs, which are also right around the corner, uh, I should tell you guys what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, something that I truly enjoy, and we're just going to have some fun with this one tonight, and it's completely subjective, and that's cool, but tonight we're going to talk about the Romulans, and it's going to no. be a blast. What? I thought it was a great triple hunt. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about the Klingons, that's right. I have a list that was compiled by Screen Rant of what they consider to be the 10 best Klingon um, episodes slash stories um, and a couple that I thought should be on the list and whatnot. We're going to talk about that and we're going to have a lot of fun with the Klingon. So if you're a Klingon fan, you definitely want to hang around for the next couple of minutes. But before we get too far, let's, let's go to the phone lines and talk to some real Star Trek fans. What do you guys say? Yeah. So, all right. Let's see if I can get my thing to work. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Caller? Are they on mute? Hello, caller. You've reached Trek Talking, uh, the most incredible <laughs> podcast in all of the galaxy. Uh, you're live uh, on the air right now. Caller? Caller? <laughs> all right. You give them 20 okay. seconds, they're done, man. You miss your window, you yep. boom, hang on to the next one. <laughs> All right, so that so there that was one caller. Let's go to our second caller. If I can get this, you know, this thing doesn't work sometimes. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name or where you're calling us from tonight? Cabrano, it is Ray. Happy New Year. Hey, happy Ray. New Year, Ray. What's happy up? New Year, Ray. Yo, my brothers. Happy New Year. Happy 2024, my brothers. Woo. Can you believe you made it? it? Made it. Yo, I, yo, I, I tried to cook that last week. What happened was I couldn't get Juby covered because he had a Ken and Shelby on, on using on air, and I was whole. I, I was in the whole show last Thursday. And that, that, that was interesting. It was very interesting. Awesome. Glad you enjoyed Excellent. it, man. It was super fun to talk to her live. It's too bad uh, we didn't get a chance to get you on the air with her because she was, she was just a joy to talk to every single person in every single way. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. She was fine. So, guys, I mean, I mean, so, guys, if you have a few minutes, okay, let me tell you what I've been doing for the past two weeks. Uncle Jim, I finally got started um, the uh, Strange New World Season 2, and Mad Season 2 was awesome. It Good. Glad you liked it. It's one thing that broke me out was, I got a couple episodes like, and one of book was the episode where they were all singing. I had to watch the episode twice. <laughs> that, yo, yo, that was so... Funny, me and Evil, right? We sat there. I said, and me, if we said, right, we told your Evil, I gotta watch it again. That party, all was singing, doing the class. I said, wait a minute, 
I know it's weird. Cause I said, I know because like I said, I, I said, I'm more my mentally right now. It's weird because like I said, we, we, we had this storm, storm right? The other day, right? Everything so I said, I already told my Josh, God, I'm not coming back until like um Monday. Cause like I said, I'm not gonna, you know, saying because of my condition, I'm not gonna walk outside like you know all the ice and stuff. Come on, I mean seriously. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, but anyway, make a long story short, um. Uh, uh, you talking about you, you, you getting away the Star Trek figures for free? You guys were talking about with, uh, with Frank? I mean, yep. Mr. Frank you talking about earlier? But... Yep. Okay, what kind of figures did they give? Uh, what kind of figures? I heard um, uh, about warping them. I mean, I mean, I mean, what do you do? I mean, what do he's made the figures like that? Or he's like... Well, I'm not... I, at this point, Ray, I'm, I, I don't know what figures... Uh, the email he said is he says, yeah, we can give some figures away. Uh, hmm. The newest figures they're coming out with right now are the Andorian um, from uh, Balance of Terror. No, uh, Journey oh. to Battle. Oh, and the, the, uh, uh, okay. Oh, those are the well, two ones. Okay, 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 okay. Magic creature. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If it, Mr. Frank had the, I mean, I was, I was talking about, I was, I was, I was the other day about this. Uh, I actually took a question. I told the other day about this. One, do you have the thing where Captain Kirk wearing the green on uh, the green shirt uniform? You, you know what I'm saying for the original one? Yep. You got they it? do have a figure of him wearing that. Yeah, but look, but look, I saw I saw I saw it on eBay last night. I saw it on eBay last night. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm saying. Uh, I mean, I say, I mean, I, I, I want to go to the contest and see. I'm going to go to the contest. I really want to because you know what? Cause I don't mind having that in my collection. And I don't mind. I mean, I mean, I mean, is it possible? If it's possible, I try to get on it and, and try to get it. Is it possible? If 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 Frank has, like I said, Ray, I don't know what figures he didn't specify what ones he was going to have to give away, but that well, particular character is one of them because I've seen that. But uh, it might be Captain Pike from Strange New Worlds. That's a new I, one. I mean, I'm afraid. It could be Captain Pike, too. I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, they've got like five or six new figures that are releasing, and I don't know which of them, or if any of them, uh, he's going to be gracious enough to give us. But um, when I schedule them to be on the show, I will definitely – let everybody know, and then you're welcome to win them. Absolutely, right. No problem. No problem. And one more question before I go, right? Um, um, do you guys um, um, do you guys have um, Hills Icon? You know, uh, Hills Icon down there in Vermont. You, you, you know the, yep. the the cable show called Hills Icons. Yep, we down do. There? Okay. Now I'm watching. Okay. I was in Deep Space Nine last night. I watched one Deep Space Nine, you know, where um, go to cut. I think it was the first, the first season, when the episode when uh, go 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 uh, you know, uh, technically, you know, the, the, the space was, was still control control what the Kardashians. What happened was what happened. They didn't all the memories. It, it, they, they got them trapped, right? And then last night I didn't think about this, and I was saying to myself, where are they going to show? I know it's going to sound crazy. Where are they going to show? They were getting a section thirty-one. I don't know why last night. It, 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 last night I said I'm watching. It, 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 it just popped my head. I said so. When I mean, like I said we went from Patty, 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 all that. I want to see one, at least one episode about section thirty-one. 
I don't know why. I pulled your left. It just came up. Well, uh, Michelle Yeoh is going to be starring in a Section 31 uh, made-for-TV movie. They've started filming, which we, we, we're going to be seeing soon. We don't have a date yet because the strike put everything behind schedule. But Michelle yeah, Yeoh is currently yeah, filming yeah, a Section 31 movie, which will be on Paramount Plus at some point. So that's cool. Paramount Plus. I'm okay. Okay, 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 it's like you know, it's kind of like uh, like James Bond in the James Bond, like you know what I'm saying, like you don't know who I am and you don't want to know who I am. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Well, Ray, I you but know anyway, I'm glad I'm I'm so glad that you were able to get your hands on season two, and I think it's it's great that you that you like the subspace rhapsody and those old scientists because those were two of our favorite episodes when we reviewed them. And uh, well, one of these days we're going to do a singing episode of Trek talking. I'm telling you, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Wait a minute, Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim, you mean tell me you guys going to do a, a singing with that? You know what? You know what? I can't sing for Jack. But I can't sing <laughs> Jack. I, I, Uncle Jim, I went to Susan, and, and it was Susan where I lived, but I was in junior high school. I went to Susan junior high school, right? And, and it was a music class, right? And then, it, like, you know, alto, sopranos, you know what I'm saying, you know, like that. And then it was like I did I did a glee club I didn't sing on the gym. No, I did. I, no, I did. Like you had the, the music sheet. I put it right on my face. And like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Let them say, I'm like lip singing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all. I don't lip singing. I don't lip singing. Well, anyway, I mean, I mean, but anyway, guys, I hope you guys' family's okay. Everything else. You know what I'm saying? 2024, I'll be 51 years old, and I'll keep tired every week from now on. Because like I said, yo, 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 like I said, this year is going to be a whole new whole new ball game. Yep, absolutely. Well, well Ryan, now, try, I mean, to, yeah. try, to, uh, try to stay warm. Well, it's not cold down there. Warm. But, uh, anyway. Warm. <laughs> try warm. to stay warm. I'm going to warm. Oh, the gym. Yeah. I went to the store just now and trying to get back here quickly, Papa something, right? I went to the store where I live at in the Bronx. And it's like, it's melting. It, it, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, I, I, I have my head because I had everything else, right? And then everything is, is like war. I'm like, what's going on? I think, I, I think, you know what? I ain't complaining about it. Let me go to the store and we came back. I came back here about the 720 um, tonight. 7.20 tonight. Grab me a sandwich. You know, you know, see, you know, see, you know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go walk over. I said, no. I said, no. I said, no. I said, no. You know what? You know what? I'm going to leave it alone. But all I know, but all I know is going to be no snow to the day on um, Friday. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm going to work tomorrow. It's not a problem. But you know what I'm saying? I just, say, I just want to tell you one thing. I appreciate you guys letting me in your world, and I appreciate everything. I love you guys. I really do. Well, Ray, we love to hear I love you guys. Thank you so much for calling, and enjoy Strange New World Season 2. 
No, no, I finished it. I finished it. Well, and go back and watch it again. <laughs> you know what? All right, nice Ray. Cut, Ma, you know, you know, nice cut, nice cut, like 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 my mom's. My mom's in a single little one. So my well, Ray, go watch it again. Oh, yep. oh my God! Oh, wait a minute! Oh, 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 um, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Where the fuck go? I got something on my phone today, right? Remember John Wick? They made a uh, part five next year. Wow! Wow! And I saw part four the other day. He was dead. I saw a trailer the other day. It's it coming out to the to the sweep. I was like, wait a minute! This ain't the Matrix. What's going on? Maybe it is. <laughs> All right, Ray. Well, we got to get on with the rest of our show. So thank you so much go for ahead, calling. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead. 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 Go Woo-hoo. Hey, let me see. You know, sometimes this thing is finicky. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello, is it is it me? Am I scaring these people away? Am I saying something wrong? Hello, can you guys hmm. hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Paul, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hear you. Let's carry right, on. Let's, let's, that's odd. That's the second caller that didn't come through. All right. Well, okay. Maybe they're just here to listen. That could be. Maybe they're just listening. That's fine. 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 All right, guys. Anyhow. So, yeah, you can head over to our Facebook page, and uh, and over on our Facebook page, pinned to the top, you will see a post saying, "Hey, dudes, where are you listening from?" And all you got to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. Emojis catch my attention. And then every week I turn around and I pick out 20 lucky listeners and your name is read out on a fan shout out to be immortalized as a Star Trek fan forever. So, Eric, do you want to get us started with this week's fan shout outs? Absolutely. Our very first fan shout out goes out to top fan Amelia Shepard, who is saying hello to us this week from the Isle of Wight. In England, that's right. Uh, just across the pond, we're saying hello to Amelia. And we have lots and lots of supporters in your area, and we are so happy that you are one of them. Perhaps you're part of a, a Star Trek club, or maybe you just like the podcast, or maybe you just like Jim's memes. Either way, you're a top fan, and you interact with us a lot on our Facebook page, and we appreciate that. Thank you so much, Amelia, for being here. We're also saying hello this week to Arl King, who's saying hello to us from South Africa, just down there at the tip of the continent. Arl, thank you very much for supporting our podcast way down in the other hemisphere. Andrea Gooding is saying hello to us this week from Barbados. And no kidding, folks, she has provided six six flags, six emoji flags, which I'm very positive is what caught Jim's attention. And it's a good thing because we like to keep track of uh, countries that we have heard from in the past. And yes, Andrea Gooding you are our very first fan to say hello to us from Barbados. So thank you so much for being the very first. You are the 76th country that has uh, said hello to us specifically on this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us. And uh, that looks like a, quite the area, man. Woo! Easternmost of those Caribbean islands looks really beautiful. Thank you so much for saying hello. 
And last on my list, saying hello this week to Alex Caziolas from Thessalonica, Thessaloniki in Greece. Uh, Alex, thank you very much for supporting our podcast from uh, an area that I'm going to be, not Thessaloniki, but uh, we're going to be round about the uh, Athens direction around March of next year, which I'm very yeah. excited about. So, uh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex, thank you very much for saying hello. And Charles, I'm going to pass this megaphone to you, brother. All right. Thank you, Eric. Let's start off with top fan, Heidi Devante from Southern Illinois. Welcome, Heidi. Glad to see you a top fan. Also glad to see Angie D. Thrash is also a top fan. Halen from Wichita, Kansas. Two top fans. Glad to see you on our list. Welcome, Richard Tycombe from Virginia. I have family in Virginia, up in northern part. And also welcome Lee Katz from central Illinois. Ah, my time in Illinois was what they called Great Mistakes. Okay, Great Lakes. <laughs> David, who's on your list? Yeah, I got a couple of top fans. Let me say welcome and thank you, top fan Lincoln William Statler from Philadelphia, USA. And the next one on my list is Dana Hytel Duffy from Morrison, Colorado. I have another top fan here. Welcome to Rita Hernandez. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry for Hernandez. Hernandez. There you go. Thank you, Paul. Uh, from somewhere in Michigan. Somewhere. Hmm. Okay, I don't know what city that is, but or it's not really listing a city. Just somewhere in Michigan. Okay. Uh, last one on my list is James Cannon from Kansas City, Kansas. All right, Paul, who's on your list? Thanks, Donut Brother. I appreciate it, man, very much. Okay, let's go international. Let's leave the Midwest behind and cruise on over to Italy, where everything is awesome all the time. And it is our good friend Andre Atreides of House Atreides, no doubt. (laughs) The only Atreides I acknowledge. And uh, I guess you've got so much money when you uh, are part of House of Trades that you can actually live in Italy, which is great, yeah. Andre. So uh, that must mean, of course, that when Eric and the rest of us come calling, you'll have extra rooms that you can put us up because that's mm-hmm. how we treat ourselves, right, in Star Trek Universe. But uh, Andre's got all kinds of uh, happiness radiating from uh, the post, uh, live long and prosper, enthusiasm. Uh, wonderful to hear from you. In all seriousness, Italy is like top of the mark, um, a wonderful place uh, to hang your hat. So uh, I hope uh, things are treating you well. Uh, Not too far away over in Croatia, we're saying hello to our friend Barbara Simcic, who is also very happy with a big smiling face and uh, some heart emojis there. So everyone's following Uncle Jim's uh, advice to make it visual to capture his attention. So <laughs> that's a good thing to do. Right, Barbara? I hope you're doing well. I know Croatia can get some pretty intense winters. I feel like we are uh, having a Croatian winter here in the Northwest ourselves this week. It can uh, just about ready to be done. I enjoy winter, but I don't like being stuck inside. <laughs> and uh, another place where uh, you can have extreme wintry conditions is up north to our good friend, Sharon Diane Hertz. 
sending us hailing frequencies from up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, all the way up there in Canadians' provinces with the, the flag proudly displayed. So uh, a very cool place to reside, Sharon Diane Hertz. And then finally for me, we've said hello to our – oh, I love alliteration with names. It's like one of my favorite things. And we've got a word here from Sean Samet who says hello to us from Belfast, Ireland, a wonderful place as well. So we've got all kinds of folks who are international fans. Um, Got to give you hope for the future, right, to be able to know that, like, Star Trek is the uniting force and that the people respond to that positivity across the entire globe. So that kind of, uh, in, a, in a time when it often seems like we are very divided, that unification that Star Trek manages to do uh, globally, it gives me cause not to despair. Wouldn't you say, Uncle Jim? I would agree. Absolutely. And I, I should mention to you guys, you hear a lot of top fan names being thrown around. And it's very easy to become a top fan. Just go to our Facebook page and react. I put up, oh, memes, memes, memes all day. Um, I post all kinds of stuff. All you need to do is go to our Facebook page and interact. Um, give us your opinion on an episode. I put up a lot of episode questions. Um, and you can earn a top fan badge so that when your name gets called out, you'll be a top fan. Uh, I don't have any top fans on my list, unfortunately, this week. But I do want to say kapla to Ann Stevens, who's listening to us in Long Island, New York, in the U.S. of A. Long Island or Long Island? I think it's Long Island. I hear a lot of people say Long but I don't. I think I don't think that's how. Well, they just say the island, man. Don't people just say the yeah. island? Who know? They don't. They don't even say long. They just say I'm out on the, the island. island. There you go. Which shore are you on? The North Shore, or South Shore. Which way do you live there? You know, the Short I mean, Shore. Yeah, North <laughs> Shore, whatever. You know, Manhasset. Yeah. Where you at? And uh, we also want to say a lot of Martin Arthi. Uh, who's listening in the Bronx. I wonder if Martin and Ray have ever crossed paths. I don't know. But a couple of Martin McCarthy in the Bronx. We also want to say hello and thank you to Kent Hattonfield, who's listening in Belleville, New Jersey, USA, with a flag flying right there, which caught my eye. And last but definitely not least, we want to say hello to Teresa Taylor, who's in Memphis, Tennessee, down around where Andy Bray is down there in Tennessee. And that, my friends, finishes up our fan shout-outs. Head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from, and you, too, can be a fan. Shout-out. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up the uh, preliminaries. Now we're going to get down to the meat and potatoes of the show. We're going to talk about some Klingons. We're going to have fun with some Klingon episodes. Um, The first thing we want to do is... I am Worf, son of Moog, house of Martok, son of Sergei, house of Roshenko, bane to the Duras family, slayer of Gowron. I have made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Yes. Okay, I, I lost it. So, we're going to be talking about Klingons tonight. And I played that clip because 
The reason why I'm here, why I'm so involved in Star Trek is because of Mr. Worf. When TNG came out, I had all my friends over. We sat down. We had a pizza. We put on TNG. And what did I see? A Klingon on the bridge of the Enterprise. And right away, I was like, I've got to find out everything I can about this Klingon. What are they doing there? How did they end up there? They are the enemies of the Federation. This is going to be good. And I was hooked. Um, I joined the Michael Dorn Appreciation Organization fan club. Um, I joined the Klingon Assault Group. Uh, I even cosplay as a Klingon, which I still do to this day. And that, my friends, is why I'm such a huge Star Trek fan, all because of Michael Dorn being on TNG. So anytime I get an opportunity to talk about Klingons, obviously I'm going to do it. And because we don't have any new Star Trek episodes to talk about, uh, you know, we've had a lot of guest stars, Elizabeth Dennehy last week, if you guys missed it. And we're going to be doing Major Mania next week. We talked about Captain Pike, and I decided let's talk about some Klingons. So here we go. Uh, Star Trek's 10 best Klingon stories. Um, this particular article comes from Screen Rant. And uh, this was like a holdover article, and I decided it's time to talk about it. So this is, this is uh, their list. Uh, Klingons have been a key part of Star Trek universe. Despite undergoing numerous changes in both physical design and personality, the Klingons remain one of the franchise's most iconic contributions to the pop culture canon. Although these world-building inconsistencies might aggravate fans, it is due to them that the Klingons have endured. So, yes, the Klingons have changed. They went from people wearing shoe polish with handlebar mustaches, and uh, then they ended up with little spines on their foreheads in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Then we ended up with the turtle heads that we see Worf wearing, and then we ended up going all the way back to the beginning in Discovery with the full-on Klingon dual nostrils, dual everything. So, yes, the Klingons have changed quite a bit, but they are still Klingons, have no doubt. So, this list is completely objective, guys. Um, I didn't pick it, but a lot of the episodes on here, I agree, uh, belong on this list. So, we're going to start off with Screen Rant's number 10 episode uh, about Klingons. It's from Lower Decks, and it's an episode called Weege Dodge, which means second ship in Klingon, and I got to agree, this episode was really fun. Uh, this episode shows the lives of so-called lower universe. In part, the episode takes a Klingon power structure for the bird of prey, I.K.S. Cheetah. It's rare for the franchise to consider an alien species through a non-Federation lens. As much, Weege Dodge provides an unfiltered look and key aspects of Klingon culture. And as David was so keen to point out, even the Klingons have an owl guy. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, they episode do. was a lot of fun, actually. And if, you, if you're not into your, deep into your Klingon lore, uh, the captain of this particular Klingon ship, we've seen him before. And uh, it was nice to see them bring him back. Although now he's a full-fledged Klingon. Last time we saw him, he was a conflicted Klingon. So uh, Weege Dudge, I think, is a really good episode if you want to get some uh, understanding on the Klingons. It's a lot of fun. Lower Decks, 
throws in a lot of Easter eggs, and there's plenty in this episode, but we're just talking about the Klingons. So what did you guys think about the, the Klingon depiction in Weege Doge on Lower Decks? First of all, I like the Klingon animation. I think they look really good. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think no. the animation looks really good, and it it's fun. I, one of the things that I think Lower Decks does really well is it takes things that are kind of serious in most Star Trek, and it makes them fun. So even to have animated Klingons and situations that either have slapstick qualities or little side jokes or little inside jokes or that kind of stuff, it's a... It's a fresh way of looking at Star Trek, um, and I don't think that we have had. I mean, Lower Decks does it on a regular basis, but like this is the first time that I think we see uh, somebody dipping their toe into the Klingons with regards to that. It was very well done. Uh, and what did yeah. they say in this episode? Don't give me that Vulcan live long and prosper, live short and die horrible. Sarcastic Vulcan salute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, Weege uh, Judge, Star Trek Lower Decks. Paul, what, are they, what, what does Screen Ramp put at number nine? At number nine, we actually have a bit of a surprise. Um, we're actually switching over to another arm of the franchise, and we are going over to Enterprise, and we are going to be talking about Affliction and Divergence. And according to Screen Rant, given that it's not uncommon for Star Trek to rework its own aliens, it's up for debate whether viewers needed an explanation as to why the original Klingons had smoother heads than in later depictions. And I think, uh, I, I really think that the, I don't think I'm making any kind of a crazy statement here, but I really think that I feel like the Trek Talkins Enterprise resident expert is Eric. So I would love to have Eric's thoughts on, uh, on, uh, affliction and divergence yeah thanks paul uh i so my my thoughts are this every single time we get a new iteration of star trek we get opportunities to kind of move the ball forward or move the ball in a different direction whether that's like what we're going to talk about or whether it's the way the aliens look or whether it's you know if klingons are allies or enemies or all any of that kind of stuff and I like that kind of movement through Star Trek because to me, if if you keep watching the same thing over and over again, it gets kind of boring. And Affliction Divergence, I, you know, I, I am totally on board with folks who say, you know, we didn't need an explanation because Worf, especially in um, in that Tribbles episode, says, you know, we don't we don't talk about it. Uh, which and is, I was happy well, with that answer. That, which is a perfectly <laughs> Like that's a perfectly fine explanation. I don't, uh, I don't like disparage, you know, the folks who just want to kind of like leave it there. But the way that um, Enterprise did it wasn't like out of line with canonical stuff. And I think it kind of, not that I am a, a canon hound, but to me, it added interest to that story and it added a potential scientific explanation for something that, you know, we all, anybody who's watched the old series and then watched the new series has to find a way to resolve that in their head, whether they like it or not, whether, you know, I think Paul and I would say it doesn't matter at all. Like, I don't care what the makeup looks like as long as the writing is good, but I will say that, uh, 
it can also pull you out of the suspension of disbelief when the character doesn't look the way that you expect. So to me, I like these episodes, and I understand that that may not be the most popular opinion out there, but like like Enterprise, I think, uh, does in so many episodes, it takes a risk and you know, does it stick the landing at a 10 when it takes a risk? Often not, but it often sticks that landing at like a 7.5 or an 8. And I would put these, this series of episodes right around that, that range for me. Well, I think what it does do though, uh, inadvertently is that that particular block of episodes explains every iteration of Klingon we've ever seen is explained yep. away in that one episode. Because yep. we, we don't know how, how the virus affected all the other, you know, we know from Discovery what Klingons looked like, you know, back then. Well, especially now, when you add Discovery lore and, like, actually seeing the 24 different houses and how they were all different anyway. Yeah. Right, but now we know that and that they all look different, and we don't know how the virus affected them. So there you go, case solved. There you close go. the book. Boom. They're all Klingon. Move on. Done. But I I enjoyed the episode myself, and Section Thirty One is in this episode mm-hmm. as well. So they're gonna stick their nose into everything. So uh, <laughs> Eric, what did Screamant place at uh, number eight? Ooh, we get to head over to one of our favorite little hidden gems, the animated series, and talk about the episode The Time Trap. In order to cross the time barrier, Kirk and the Klingons must work together. It's a tried and tested Star Trek formula, although the alliance is undermined by the Klingons' standard treachery. The aliens plan to destroy the Enterprise after it helps them escape. So much for honor. The time trap is the Klingons at their most devious. Ooh, I love that they Whoa. threw in some uh, animated series here, and I love that they threw in this particular episode. And Jim is, I think, the uh, you know the group's resident Klingon expert. I'd love to hear from you first on this one uh, as to what you thought about the portrayal of the Klingons and are they really uh, you know what can you resolve for us the balance between honor and treachery. Well, you know, we have to well, we have to bear in mind that the Klingons, a lot of people look at Klingons from TNG, but unfortunately, Klingons on TOS and TAS, uh, the honor thing hadn't really been introduced really yet. That wasn't until Worf came along. Uh, original Klingons were like... Uh, um, they were supposed to be like pirates, for, right? Uh, you yeah, know, they were like, like pirate Russians. So, yeah, so they were. It was a completely different way of thinking. Of now, I'm not saying that Duras wouldn't stab you in the back of the Duras sisters in a heartbeat, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but but Klingons as we know them today uh, are the honor thing. But back then, not quite so much. So the fact that they were planning to blow up the Enterprise and they were backstabbing. And it's completely fine with what Klingons were like back at that time. But I do want to point out that we see a Gorn in this episode as well. You guys remember the Council of the Time Leaders or whatever yeah. they called them? Yeah, one we see them. them. And don't we we see like a Kazinti in this one too, don't we, if I remember? And right. an Orion. We see an Orion. We see all yep. kinds yeah. of in this Yeah. Yeah, they're all unified around the table of time. Well, I'm calling yeah. it that because 
I don't remember what they actually called it, but they were all on this council, and all of them were there, Andorians and Gorn, all of them, and yeah. uh, and the Klingons. Tellarites, the Klingons the Tellarites are, if I remember, that you can see there. And really interesting thing about this particular episode, too, as far as the Klingons go, right, is because we've got a Klingon character who originally had on the original series, we've got Kor, mm-hmm. right? It was like the very first Klingon we ever met back in Errand of Mercy, right? But uh, John Kalakos, the actor who voiced Core, was not available when they were uh, doing the production of this episode. So our very own James Doohan is oh, the yeah. man who did the voiceover doing uh, the Core character. So really oh my interesting. Gosh. He did that for, uh, I'll just say, we'll probably mention this during Remembrances, but he also did that for one of the other Klingons, I believe, Korax, if I remember right from the Yeah, I think series. there's a bunch of James doing voiceovers. Yeah. You can really recognize him. He just like, I'll do it. <laughs> kind yeah. of like... Wasn't he the original creator of the Klingon language? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because they always just had him speak English on the show, so who knows? But uh, <laughs> but oh, I know. But yeah, it's just interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Always, if you've never checked out the animated series, I always like to recommend it because it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that that was a fun episode, and it's only eighteen minutes. You can spare eighteen minutes out of your life to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you could have watched it, it twice during the first part of this episode. It's That's right. It's going to take a whole got... lot of time out of your hand. <laughs> it's amazing they got so, 12 minutes of commercials into 30 minutes. That's just like I ridiculous. know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I remember Saturday morning cartoons. They, they were trying to sell us everything out of the planet, everything Mattel made, every, every brand of cereal. They needed those 12 minutes. And it really That's wasn't right. a time trap to watch it. It worked, no. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Charles, you want to wanna tell us what Screen Rant has listed at number seven? Okay, number seven is Errant of Mercy from the original yes. series. Woot! Organians hold godlike powers, and they force the Klingons and the Federation to end their conflict. The Organians even predict the Federation and Klingon will one day be friends, foreshadowing the Kitamara Accords. Yes. I'll pass this one over to Paul, because I think Paul really wants to get onto this one. Oh, yeah, you what know, do you think, thanks, Paul? Thanks, Charles. I, I just think it's really nice to have a, an unabashed classic episode, you know, an iconic episode uh, on this list, because I completely agree. I would put this much higher than number seven for my own list, but yep. like, you know, Jim said, it's kind of subjective, Top right? Uh, but this is the very first episode in season one that really introduced what the Klingons were, right? And uh, they're they're done in kind of dastardly fashion, you know, I mean, it's it's a little unfortunate in terms of like the tropes of the era, you know, they're, they're portrayed as having dark skin and kind of Fu Manchu mustaches, Right. And they can be very, you know, culturally inappropriate when you look at it from a modern lens. Right. And it could have been really a disaster in terms of the way they were you know, portrayed kind of. Yeah. A little bit like pirates. Right. But what elevated it above everything was the, the portrayal of John Colicos as core. We'd never seen a Klingon before. And this is a man who was a tremendous actor. And he came in and he was willing to play the bad guy, but not in like a. Uh, mustache twirling cliche way, right? This is a guy who thinks he's the hero, who thinks he's the main character of this, and his job as a military leader is to squash the opposition, and very realistically done, too. I mean, he chews the scenery a lot, and he's got a weird sneaking admiration for Captain Kirk, yet he loves to toy with his enemies, very much a foreshadow of the way 
uh, Khan is portrayed uh, down the road, right, in uh, Rafa Khan in particular. But it's an incredible character. I mean, really, really great. And uh, uh, you got to just hand it to the great John Colicos because not only is it a super good episode that really, I think, you know, ex- expresses very, very adroitly that whole idea of what Star Trek really, really is, is that there are powers out there that you just don't understand who uh, we may think we have the high moral ground, but we're down here, you know, scrabbling in the dirt really compared to other forms of consciousness that we've yet to meet in the universe, which I thought was just really, really great. Um, it's a great introduction to the Klingons. And I think pretty much every Klingon that came afterwards has to tip their hat to, to core in that performance. And we would of course see core down uh, the road in many other appearances throughout Star Trek and other arms of the franchise too, but uh, an indelible performance, absolutely one of the great episodes of Klingon lore ever. So thrilled to see it listed here. And I got I to gotta throw something in because we've been talking about For All Mankind, and there's, a, there's an episode, again, I've binged them all, so they're all jumbled in my head, but there's an episode where somebody, one of the astronauts gives a speech, and it's the same speech that Kirk gives in this episode where he says something like, you know, we're not going to kill today, and that whole speech, and on, on For All Mankind, someone gave that exact same speech, and I turned to my wife and I said, that's from Star Trek. And Captain Kirk said that to Cooler. I thought that was great. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, so Eric, as our as our resident Voyager fan, what does Screen Rant have for number six? And I gotta before we before we go any further though, I have to, I have a red asterisk next to this one because I have to preface it by saying, although I really enjoyed this episode and thought it was really well done and it was a really good episode. This episode would not be on my list of Klingon episodes for the simple fact that this is a character-driven episode and not as much um, a Klingon episode. So that's why I wouldn't have put it on my list at all. But Eric, you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. And Jim, I'm going to talk about that a little bit here. We're talking about episode, uh, the episode, the Voyager episode called Faces, which in some ways is kind of an update to the classic episode, The Enemy Within from TOS back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Balana is split into two individuals by a mad scientist, a meek human and an aggressive Klingon. Actress Roxanne Dawson may ham it up as the fully Klingon Balana, but she delivers an excellent performance as her vulnerable human persona. The episode features a look at both Klingon and human physiology, as well as some memorable grisly moments. And uh, the reason that I do think that this episode belongs on the list, Jim, and I'll, I'll agree, like from a you know, Klingon culture perspective or, you know, what do the Klingons look like in canon? Maybe this episode doesn't deliver on that front, but what it does do is it takes the question of Klingon, of a, of a, of a person who has a shared um, heritage between Klingons and humans. And uh, how does that affect the person's um, outlook on life? How does it affect the way that they react to things? How does it affect the way that they're seen by others? Um, And, you know, I think that taking that kind of aggressive Klingon persona, which Balana struggles with a lot in Voyager, and separating it from her human half, which I agree when, when she portrays her human half, it's almost like, 
it's almost like you get to see uh, Roxanne Dawson for the first time, you know, in some ways you're like, Oh, maybe this is more what she's like because I know she's a human and maybe, <laughs> maybe the actress is more like this person, but um, the, and necessarily probably because of the writing in that episode, the, the Klingon parts are just a little bit hammy, which I think does you know knock it down a notch, but it, it takes a complex question, which I think in today's, um, conversations might be a little bit more common. This idea of a mixed race character and what do they deal with on a daily basis? I feel like, you know, Marvel Comics is dealing with that on uh, a daily basis, and DC is dealing with that on a daily basis, and all these television shows and stuff are now starting to address these sorts of issues. But back in the 90s and 2000s, uh, excuse me, 2000s with Voyager, early 2000s. Uh, I think having Bolana A be Maquis, B be half Klingon, C be the chief engineer, there's a lot of stuff going on in her life, and this episode does a fair job of kind of showing that and splitting it apart and updating that the enemy within concept uh, from the TOS days. That's my thoughts. Well, uh, number five on their list is one of my favorites, and, and I definitely would have put this episode on the list. This is the TNG episode, A Matter of Honor. The episode gives viewers a deep dive into Klingon culture from their stomach-churning cuisine to their sexual politics and command structure. Klingons earn promotions by murdering their superiors. Dun-dun-dun. Riker proves himself by overcoming his initial cultural shock, demonstrating that for all of their cultural differences, the Klingon Empire, the Federation, can find common ground. So, um, yeah. This episode, this is the one for me. Yeah. This is this is the one where Riker goes on the Klingon bird of prey. Um, he's uh, he's eats I, the food, he's have, looking them in the eye with a couple of Klingon women, and uh, he makes friends with a Klingon officer. Gets the crap beat out of him by the Klingon captain. Commandeers the ship. This episode has it all, and. Uh, it's it's fun. It's great. It gives you a good insight into Klingons, what they eat, uh, pippiest tongue, uh, uh, what gawk, of course. Um, also known as gummy all, worms. Yeah, all kinds of great stuff. <laughs> and of course, we have some hot Klingon ladies in this episode. Not Lursa and Bator are in this episode, and uh, one of them finds Riker tolerable. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's great. This one is absolutely great, and I agree. This is a must-watch if you're a Klingon fan. You learn a lot about the Klingons and about Riker in this particular episode. Uh, so if you have not seen it, definitely check it out. And uh, we're going to be talking about Tribble, so that means we've got to go to David. What do they have for number four on our list? Ooh, thanks, Jim. I thought I was going to get picked for this one. Um, I actually looked up online something interesting I'm going to uh, show you after this. But yeah, Trials and Tribulations uh, from a Deep Space Nine episode. Trials and Tribulations uh, may be nostalgic fluff, but it delivers on the promise of honoring Star Trek's past. It also proved that the warrior Klingon are as much at home in a silly caper as they are in the demise politics political intrigue. So the thing that I was uh, looking up a while ago was an interesting take on how they were able to film uh, an original series, I guess you could say background for the actual show, uh, the original series episode 
called um, uh, uh, Trials in Trouble with Trouble. There you go. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, um, apparently they use a very interesting special effects technology that had recently been popularized by the movie Forrest Gump which I thought was interesting because, you know, everybody knows that scene where Forrest Gump was shaking hands with uh, the president in that movie. Well, the exact same concept was used in this episode that they were actually being able to put Cisco, Jazia, the DS9 crew basically into the uh, original series. And that's how they were able to just play it along. And uh, yeah, so this particular episode, they just seamlessly integrated scenes from the Trouble with Tribbles from the original series, thanks to no small part to the story by Ira Stevens, Burr, and Hans Beimler, and Robert Hewitt, Wolf, <laughs> as well as the teleplay by Donald D. Moore and Rain Echeverria. So, to me, this episode actually holds a very dear part in my heart, not only because it had troubles, the idea that they went back in time, I'm also a very fun-living episode person that loved time travel, but the thing is, is that they were actually able to integrate scenes from the original series into this, which seamlessly just played out like an actual episode, like Kirk, Bach, and everybody was just there, you know? They were just projected on screen like they were acting alongside with the other actors and it was to me i thought that was really interesting to see when they do stuff like that for different types of uh series so i'm a really big fan Uh, of this particular episode but yeah did anyone else want to add to that uh do you know why they filmed this episode in that system Yeah, he's really yeah. choppy. Super choppy. Okay, let me try again. Uh, I'll try again. Do we know why this episode was filmed in the first place? <clears throat> no. Nope. Yeah, it was for the anniversary of Star Trek. Oh, uh, the thirtieth. Which one? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember which one, but they they uh, they actually did, they did two of them. They did this 99. one and they did flashback for Voyager. 1996 is with the 30th anniversary special. And this particular episode, I have an asterisk on because I wouldn't have put this episode on this list either. That's okay. They, they, um, I mean, when you see the ones that they left off, and this is here, I mean, great this, Klingon this, is, right. this is a good yeah. episode. It's a really good episode, yeah. right? But it it's not a Klingon episode by any stretch of the imagination. No, Moving on. No, 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 it's not. And I'll take the next one. Uh, and I wouldn't have put this one on the list either. Wait, you wouldn't uh, have? Really? I, Ooh, I wouldn't I'm going to fight you on that one. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because there are, there are, well, first of all, it's not an episode technically. Uh, no, no, no. But, well, it doesn't, it's not, it's, the article was 10 best Klingon stories. So, so if maybe... But there are so many other better ones that, and I have a oh, compiled oh. that I think. <laughs> so, uh, Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Uh, they have at number three. Really good movie, great movie, enjoyable movie. Colonel Worf is in it, so there you have that. And Rene Auberjonois is in it. We get to learn that Klingon blood is pink. 
Um, General Chang. Great, yes, or the General Chang quoting Shakespeare. The Klingon court. Um, I mean, a yeah. lot of great stuff um, in this movie. Um, so, and, and I'm not going to get into it because everyone has seen it. Everybody knows. But that's what they have at number three, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And now that brings us to our top two. And Paul, Paul, do you want to do number two? Sure, I can do number two, man. I can do number two. I don't know that I'm going to be the, the greatest uh, advocate for this one myself, because there's a lot of ones I, I'm hoping we have time to talk about that did not make this list. But number two on here is a Deep Space Nine episode, The Way of the Warrior, where we have next-gen characters had crossed over you know, on Deep Space Nine before, but the addition of Worf to Deep Space Nine's character roster spices up that spinoff of the franchise. Now, Worf's arrival on the frontier outpost Deep Space Nine coincides with a Klingon invasion of Cardassian space that threatens to pull in the entire Federation. Oh, my God. And although they did manage to avert full-scale war, there's a change in the status quo that basically, you know, that repositioning the Klingons as being more of a serious antagonist, if you will, is less allies. So there's that. I mean, this is kind of, you know, I mean, uh, I like this because if I'm not, help me out, uh, those of you uh, with fresher memories in mind. This is the one, the first where they brought War, Worf back, right? This is his first yeah. appearance on Deep Space Nine. Yep. Return yeah. Getter. Right. And, yep. you know, it, it. I love Worf is great. And I do feel that, like, um, Deep Space Nine is, is really underappreciated in a lot of quarters. But I do think that a lot of times it's... It kind of felt to me uh, like a slight act of desperation to bring Worf over here and put him as a character on Deep Space Nine. Was it necessary? No, it kind of speaks to the fact that, like, well, we don't really have enough confidence in our core characters here. We, we need to do something to spice it up, right? It's kind of the same mindset. And a lot of times this stuff works out really well. I mean, it was the same kind of mindset when they were trying to, um, when they brought Seven of Nine onto Voyager, right? And that was a smart move, uh, ultimately. But initially, it was sort of like, we got to do something to sex stuff up, right? And, you know, fortunately, they cast somebody really great in that role there. But I don't know that this is one of the all-time great Klingon episodes ever, and there certainly are a lot better ones on Deep Space Nine, I think, that involve other Klingons beyond Worf. So I think, you know, as much as I love Worf, and he's amazing, and I agree with Jim, I mean, he is the core of the... Uh, current perception of uh, of how Klingons are depicted, I would much rather get into the fertile ground of Worf's character arc throughout the entire run of Next Generation, where, you know, I cannot believe that I'm looking at this list and I'm not seeing Sins of the Father on here. That is just sacrilege in my view. Well, you're, that, you're, that starts you're the whole arc. You're getting ahead of yourself here. I know, I know I am, but I just like, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's there's, just there's, you know, it, it, I love Warp, and it just seems like if you're going to really get in there, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, a good episode, uh, notable for introducing Warp over here, but by no means uh, a classic Klingon episode, in well, my opinion. Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with that almost, because you would have to kind of look at, like, um, did they write the show before they went ahead and said, okay, we're going to get Worf on here? Or was it the opposite direction? Because No, he came if, in in season four, so. 
I know, though. Yeah. I know. But did the writer write out this episode before they knew that Worf was going to come in? Because if that was the opposite direction and they said that, oh, yeah, Worf is going to be coming on to the show no matter what. So they had to write up an episode for him. And I think this episode actually turned out really well, the reason why they brought Worf down to the episode. So to me, I, I actually think the Way of the Warrior episode was actually really good for story Well, it introduces uh, Martok. It brings Gowron onto Deep Space Nine. We get to see the, the Negvar, the new cruiser, uh, and yeah. so on. But um, and it's, a, it's a fun episode. Lots of bat lists and stuff. And we see, <laughs> we see the honor going on where Worf steals the Dakta from Martok's son, brings it back to him. Um, all that kind of stuff. But to Paul's question, and Charles said the exact same thing, there are are six episodes, maybe seven, that are not listed on this list from TNG, and I was tempted to put them in there, but I did not put them in there um, for a specific reason that I'm going to get to when we get to the number one episode, okay? But before before we get to the number one episode, there's a couple of honorable mentions that I wanted to add to this list before we get to number one. And the reason why some of those missing episodes aren't in my honorable mention, I will get to as well. I put in here as an honorable mention <laughs> from Star Trek Discovery, Point of Light. This is the episode where Laurel declares herself mother of the Klingon Empire. This is the one where we find out about the face paint. Um, we find out about the Klingon D7s being built. Um, this is the pivotal episode for me of Discovery that really delves really deep into Klingon culture, how they work, and Laurel's important part in the Klingon Empire. So I had to throw in Discovery's point of light. Klingon yeah, Jim. Episode. Jim, I think it's too bad that this list didn't include any Discovery episodes, given that the first season of Discovery almost exclusively dealt with the Klingons and the conflict with the Klingons and that sort of stuff, uh, particularly in the first half of it. It felt to me... Wow, what's going on there? What is that? Uh, it felt to, yeah, it uh-huh. felt to me like that was a little bit of a miss, um, because the... The Klingon canon was updated, like we were talking about before. It was updated once more when Star Trek Discovery came out, and it was updated in such a way, like we've talked about on the show, to be more consistent with, uh, I'm going to use the phrase, but Gene's original vision, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Klingon makeup technology now exists to be able to make them look the way that he originally wanted them to look. And it's too bad that they didn't mention it, because the introduction of all these uh, different houses and their different looks and everything, like we were saying with affliction and divergence, is just a continuation of what we've already seen, right? It's right in line. Yep. There's a lot of great uh, Klingon moments in Discovery Season 1. But this particular episode dealing with the Chancellor and whatnot, I thought was really well done. So I had to mention that. And if we're mentioning Klingon episodes... You cannot have a Klingon list. It's just you can't do it if you don't have Strange New Worlds under the cloak of war. We discussed this for a long time when we were talking about uh, Strange New Worlds and uh, 
Under the Cloak of War is a top-notch Klingon episode. It yeah, I mean, it's a Klingon a episode lot. because of the one character in some ways, right? And his, like, connection to things, which I think adds a layer of complexity to Klingon culture. I think people have a tendency to say, oh, all Klingons are warriors. All Klingons are bent on glory. You know, this is the way that Klingons are. And to see another character pretty solidly represented that is outside of that paradigm just fits right into that Star Trek niche where we make sure that everybody's represented, right? Yeah, this was a, this was a really, really, really deep uh, episode dealing with Klingon. And uh, from TNG... Heart of Glory, where the yes. Klingons come aboard the Enterprise in season one of TNG. To me, one of the strongest season one episodes. Absolutely. And in this, in this particular yeah. episode, they assume the Klingons are there to be terrorists, and Tashiar is there with her security detachment, and this little kid runs into Korak. He picks up the child and hands the child back to Worf. You know, and he says something like, we would never hide behind a child or something. They also yeah. build weapons out of their boots and their belt buckles and all this really cool stuff. And the Klingon death yell. Uh, this episode is often overlooked because it's in season one of TNG, but it is definitely a jewel and definitely. I worth couldn't watching. agree more. Absolutely, the the it's, death yell yeah, thing yeah, was just like, great, and this paved the way for all of the you know the the exploration of duality that Worf is going to be going through for the rest of the series, yeah. leading into his whole arc that would eventually go into where we're about to talk about in a few minutes here. But uh, oh, yeah. it's pivotal. Yeah. It's an absolutely one of the top ep- season one episodes and, and, so, and a building block of Klingon culture. Yeah, so I think, remind me, was Kelsey still a security officer at that episode, or was she already passed yeah. away? No, oh, she, she was, was okay. So, so uh, Worf, Worf had to come. Worf really, really didn't do much in the first season because of Tasha Yar. This yeah. was like, if I remember my TNG season one correctly, I think this was like the only Worf-centric episode of season one. I might be wrong, but I... It's the I, most memorable one, for sure. Right. And after Tashiar died, Worf got a lot of stuff to do. But this episode was the springboard for everything that we're about to talk about was when they wrote this one, they said, hey, maybe we got something here. Let's run with it. And they did. And the last episode that I wanted to mention that I think should have been on this list was from Star Trek Enterprise. It's an episode called Judgment, which... Um, has J.G. Hertzler in it as a lawyer who's defending Archer against Duras. Yes, there's that name because he's mm-hmm. accused of being a terrorist. <laughs> and it deals with Klingon honor and they're on Repente. And uh, it brings up a lot of really good arguments and we get to see the caste system and how it works in the Klingon Empire. So uh, Judgment, I think, is a really, really good episode. And all of that is precursor to what Screen Rant has as number one, which I agree with. And here's the preface that I want to make that we've all been alluding to. The reason why episodes like excellent episodes like Sins of the Father are not there, episodes like The Emissary, one of the best episodes, Reunion with Kalar. Yes. Um, there's a whole bunch of, there's eight altogether episodes that aren't listed in the top 10 and I didn't put them in for the simple reason that <clears throat> enterprise I'm not enterprise 
Uh, TNG, I think, is often overlooked for the simple fact that TNG did this story arc, serial storytelling before anyone even knew it existed. And they did it with Worf. All these episodes that I mentioned were introduced to Tasha Yar in Redemption. Okay? We're introduced to the Duras sisters. We're introduced to uh, Kim Peck, um, you know, Gowron. We're uh, introduced to Kalar. And, uh, you know, we're also introduced to Kern. TNG had dropped all of these episodes on us. With their, most of them were B-plots of other episodes that were weaving the thread of Worf's backstory. And when all of these dominoes were on the table, boom, they hit us with this episode, which is on the number one list called, you want to take it away, Paul? I know you're chomping at the bit. What is the number one episode that all these other episodes led up to? Everything was building to this. This is the uh, Mount Everest of all Klingon episodes. We're talking about Redemption, where Redemption is an episode that fires on all cylinders and delivers a story that examines what Klingons stand for on both a personal and a galactic level. Not only features one of Next Gen's best cliffhangers ever, but it also makes time for non-Klingon characters like Data's struggle with prejudice when he takes over command of the Sutherland. Really cool subplot there with some great casting. You know, the core of this episode, though, with Redemption is lying in how it examines Worf's identity crisis that's been building through his whole arc of discommendation throughout the entire series, culminating in this satisfying statement of purpose that demonstrates his growth. It is a, a rock-solid episode, and you've got all of those building blocks that come together that Jim just mentioned. Um, I don't think enough can be said about... Uh, uh, about Kern. I'm a huge fan of Kern. We met him back in Sins of the Father, uh, that episode uh, <laughs> what we talked about a little bit earlier as being the start of the whole discommendation thing. Kern's a great character. If I would kill you <laughs> for suggesting it. He's just mm-hmm. such a great mm-hmm. character. But it leads to all this stuff. And, you know, it's just if you look at the arc of all these episodes that Jim was talking about, right, culminating here, Look at the Duras sisters, the way they are with their scheming plots. Uh, Gowron is the embattled leader and his avarice and his, his, his ambitions. Uh, the brother of Worf, the sisters trying to put somebody else in power with Duras. What's great about the, this huge Klingon arc of all of these episodes, and you've got to mention uh, Emissary and Reunion as well, because they're satellites to that, because those are pivotal in terms of like what happens to Worf's character and defining Klingon duality. The, it really is positioning Shake, uh, uh, Klingons as being like a Shakespearean story. This is like as much of a Shakespearean saga as like Richard III, Henry V, King Lear, all of those epic struggles, those epic tragedies, that's what they were going for with these episodes. And that's where the writing was trying to put it together there and and truly portray the different noble houses of, uh, of, of Klingon culture as being engaged in the struggle that is like Shakespearean, uh, that is just fantastic. It's just, we've talked like about a lot about like, what would you like to see is like a great, uh, 
you know, new Star Trek series, right? You know, uh, we have all these new things coming all the time. And uh, to me, that's what I would like to see, right? I would like to see them go back to that kind of uh, perspective on Klingon culture, where it is looking at it as like kind of a warring Shakespearean houses type of situation, right? And more dramatic uh, impetus, more more stuff in terms of conspiracy and plots. And, and give me like a Game of Thrones uh, modern depiction of Klingon culture on the home world and a lot of those kind of struggles with really good new characters. That's a story I would totally buy into, but it's built on the fundamental foundation of redemption and all these other uh, episodes that Jim has talked about. The absolute best of all of it for yep. my money is, is this work done on next gen. And that's, that's why a lot of the people are sitting there thinking, why wasn't this episode? Why not that episode? Because redemption wraps all of those every all the points that paul talked about are all addressed in rita and we get sila we, we get tashiar's daughter back again i mean this episode huh. had it all everything was going on in this episode it is the ultimate klingon episode so uh that was the screen rant list and i think we agreed with most of it and there's so many great we didn't mention blood oath from deep space nine that's another absolutely, you know, top-notch episode. Um, and Jim, I got to just throw out here, buddy, real quick. You know who wrote Redemption? Uh, not off Your the buddy from Thrall Mankind, Ronald D. Moore, that's who. Oh, well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, you got your For All Mankind DNA. And that's why you know it's so good, because it's a, this is the guy who did the Galactica thing. And, I mean, he worked on it, I think, with Joe Minoski, co-wrote it as well. But it's Ronald D. Moore's script, man. And it just really comes across. It is a story about civil war, right? And you got to decide where your loyalties lie. And it's just it's that kind of really strong writing uh, that, you know, that's why you're loving so hard right now on uh, for all mankind because it's just like he's he's the man he's got the perspective and he writes and everyone's got something at stake so brilliantly done yes redemption is and i'm well, sure everybody knows that redemption is on blu-ray available as a full-length movie you don't have to put in part one and part two they've edited it together into one seamless movie <laughs> so you can hmm. sit there and watch well, redemption so there you have if you want to if you if you want a Shakespeare theme in there, don't forget the episode with Kalis. Yeah, yeah, there, there, I was, there that are was so, so many, Shakespearean. There's so many good ones. It, it's really, and I said at the top of the show, it's totally subjective, but I do agree with their number one episode. So there you have it. There's the Klingon episodes, guys, and now it's time for our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. Okay, every week we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we start off with the members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we start out our remembrances with a relatively recent one. Lost just in 2022 was the actress Kirstie Alley. She was the actress and spokesmodel from Wichita, Kansas, who made her feature film debut playing Savick in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. For her performance in this film, Alley was nominated for a Saturn Award by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. 
she was actually offered the chance to reprise the role in Star Trek III, but there were some negotiations over salary that sort of went south, and so we ended up getting Robin Curtis as Savick in Star Trek III, uh, which I'm personally happy about. She was a great actress as well. Allie is perhaps best known for her Emmy award-winning role as Rebecca Howe on the long-running NBC comedy television series Cheers, uh, where she played that role for six seasons. She's also known for being on Veronica Chase in the NBC comedy series Veronica's Closet. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Kirstie Alley. Happy birthday as well to Barry Francis Jenner, he, uh, the actor who uh, played Admiral William Ross in DS9's sixth and seventh season. He also voiced Admiral Ross on the video game Star Trek Deep Space Nine Dominion Wars. Jenner made a live uh, or made a living in uh, performing on television. He began uh, with a regular role as Tony Cooper on the daytime soap opera Somerset back in 1974, and then had recurring roles on Knott's Landing and Dallas back in the day. I know you've heard of both of those. His recurring role as Police Lieutenant Lou Martog in the sitcom Family Matters is classic, and he was also a frequent and regular guest on the 1980s edition of the game show Pyramid. Uh, I used to watch that all the time. Now, Admiral Ross, I know you guys are going to ask me, what about him? Was he a good or a bad admiral? I'm just going to say that Admiral Ross, for me, is the guy who is right at the top of the list of admirals. He was an excellent battle commander. He was also shown doing the right thing every single time. He's like the admiral who was a little motivated by fear because we had the whole Dominion War going on and changelings infiltrating everything left and right. But you know, when they went to invade Cardassia, who was leading the way? He was right there. He was on the ship. He wasn't, like, sitting back telling people what to do. So I think Admiral Ross was awesome. And Barry Francis Jenner did a fantastic job with that role. And you know what, guys? The entire time that he was an actor, he was also a reserve LAPD police officer more than 20 years. So I just think that's such a cool combination of things. So happy birthday to... Uh, Barry Jenner. Happy birthday as well to Torin Herbert Erskine Thatcher. That's right, the actor who played Marplon on the TOS first, uh, first season episode, The Return of the Archons. Uh, Torin's film career started in 1933 and his television career in 1949, often playing villains along the way. I think that that was maybe a little... Yeah, was, he had this look that people associated with villains for some reason. His film career was largely over by the 60s, but he continued to work sporadically in both film and television until the middle 70s. So happy birthday to Torn Herbert Eskin Thatcher. Happy birthday as well to Joanne Linville. Joanne Linville, we lost just back in 2021 at the ripe old age of 93 years old. She was the actress who played our our female Romulan commander. That's right. That's the one. Um, people have named her Liviana sort of afterwards, but she didn't have a name back in the third season episode of the Enterprise incident in the TOS days. But she was the first actress to play a female Romulan in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, and for the sixth season episode, Face of the Enemy, writer Naren Shankar suggested that Linville reprise her role as the Romulan commander, but unfortunately she was unavailable. So we just got her 
the one time. I, I, I would have loved to have seen her again. That would have been so cool. Uh, you know, she had a career that began in the 50s, and she worked steadily throughout the 60s and 70s, appearing in both television and movies along the way. Uh, and I just think that role for her was really super classic, uh, and I can't I, – like every time I watch The Enterprise Incident, I'm – enthralled with her portrayal so happy birthday to joanne linville they as Dude, well you know too. about her you know about her daughter right uh yeah well so she i i think i do she actually went on to portray that same role in the star trek continues stuff right yeah exactly exactly she basically played the romulan commander the same the same character and then like her mom coached her to kind of, you know, give her some tips and stuff like that. about how Which to I think it. is yeah. so cool. Amy very, Rydell, very cool. I think, was her name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Amy Rydell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So continuing that legacy in Star Trek Continues, I, if you haven't seen that series, it's a fan thing. It's so cool, and I think a lot of people really love it. So, yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, Peter Bracco would have had a birthday this week. Uh, we unfortunately lost him all the way back in 1992. He was the character actor who played Claymare in the TOS first season episode, Errand of Mercy, which is, I would say, probably the best Romulan episode. Can I go that far? It's just, it's, it's so good. Uh, Peter Bracco's career spanned six decades from 1932 to 1991, resulting in parts in over 200 movies and television episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Peter Bracco, uh, super prolific. He was actually a theology student back in the day but then uh, sort of converted to acting, uh, appearing in films as early as 1932. And you should look him up. He was a specialist in sci-fi. We're talking Outer Limits, Time Tunnel, The Invaders, Lost in Space, The Twilight Zone. And in movies, Spartacus, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Our Man Flint, are you kidding me? Blockbuster after blockbuster, good stuff. Also, this guy was blacklisted back in the McCarthy days because he, you know, McCarthy. <laughs> McCarthyism, we all know what that was all about. Peter Bracco, uh, I would have loved to have met you, man. That would have been super cool. But unfortunately, we lost you back in 1992 at the ripe old age of 89 years old. Happy birthday, January 16th. Also, January 16th was born Harry Bosch. Harry Bosch. We lost you back in 2020 at the age of 94 years old. He's the New Jersey-born actor who played Dr. Brown. That's right, Doc Brown, our very first doc in the TOS first season episode, What Are Little, little Girls Made Of? Excuse me. Uh, he had a 30-year career under his belt, um, lots of 60s television, lots of 70s television, Lots of 80s television, actually. Um, he made a television movie about World War III back in 1982 that was absolutely terrifying. And we lost him just uh, only four years ago at 94 years old, if you can believe that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Paul, did you have anything else to say about Harry Bosch? No, I think you covered it pretty good, man. I really do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, one of those faces that you just know. He just did a ton yeah. of work, and is yeah. just, uh, you know, great character actor. So very cool. Happy birthday, Harry! Happy birthday as well to Michael Pataki. He was the actor who played Korax. We were just talking about him earlier in the TOS second season episode, "The Trouble with Tribbles." He also played Carnass, 
not a Klingon in the TNG first season episode, Too Short a Season. Uh, a 1960s actor back in the day who appeared in all the things like the Twilight Zones and the Mission Impossibles and the things that you've heard of before also appeared in that 1975 movie, uh, well, sexploitation film, can I say that? Uh, Carnal Madness. Uh, which, if you're into that thing, it's not a bad movie. Uh, two years later, he was uh, known for playing one of his more well-known roles as Captain Barbera in the 1977 TV movie of The Amazing Spider-Man, also known as Count Malachi in the three-part episode of the sitcom Happy Days in 1976. There's a bunch of other stuff on this man's resume. You should check it out. Michael Pataki would have had a birthday also January 16th, just two days ago. Happy birthday, Michael. Happy birthday as well. Last but not least, to Nancy Ann Parsons. She was the actress who portrayed Maruk in the Next Generation third season episode, The Vengeance Factor. Parsons was best known for her memorable role as Coach Balua Ballbricker in all three installments of Porky's. Yeah, you know those movies. Parsons also filled character roles in the movies Sudden Impact, Steel Magnolias, Ladybugs, a couple others along the way. Among her minor film roles, she was cast as a nurse five times. That's kind of weird. Is that typecasting? I'm not sure. She also <laughs> guest starred on many television programs in the 1970s and 80s. Her credits include things like L.A. Law and Night Court and Moonlighting, which was a show that I just love for some reason. Remington Steele, The Rockford Files, uh, you know, you know, all the ones. So Nancy Ann Parsons, a face you would know, uh, lost all the way back in 2001, which you guys was 23 years ago, hard to believe, uh, at a very young age of 58 years old. And that, you guys, does it for our Remembrances Week. So uh, I'm going to pass the flaming birthday candle over to my good friend, Charles. All right. Thank you, Eric. I'm going to try speeding this one up a little so we can get through all these birthdays. Okay. Happy birthday to Rachel Harris, the actress and comedian who played Mar- uh, Martis in Star Trek Voyage before and after Happy birthday to Sam Richardson, actor of voice Vendome in Star Trek's Lower Decks, first season episode, Temple Edict, and the third season episode, The Star at Night. Happy birthday, Alex Dow, Spanish actor and former ballet dancer who played the synth unit F8 in Star Trek Picard's first season episode, Maps and Legends, and the synth unit, synth unit Harvey. And 335 in second season episode, The Stargazer and Tenants. <clears throat> Happy birthday to Jandy Swenson, actress who played Katie in Star Trek Generation first season episode, When the Bow Breaks. <clears throat> and the favorite one on my list, a very big happy birthday to Una McCormick, author of several Star Trek novels and stories. And one of our previous guests on Truck Talking on a Saturday, a rare Saturday episode. I think and we can say friend of the show. Shoot. Friend of the show. Yeah. Friend, yep. friend of the show. But she is a hoot, and she is just a fabulous person to talk to, and she does some great work in her, in her stories. 
So, passing on to Paul, who's on your birthday list? Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, man. First of all, i got to give a big uh, happy birthday to our good pal, uh, actor Charlie Brill, who played Arn Darvin <laughs> in the original series, classic second season episode, The Trouble with Tribbles, uh, reprising that role again years later in the fifth season episode of Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations, the sequel, if you will. What is it about Arn Darvin that sort of is a good fit for tonight's theme of our episode, friends? Because he's actually a Klingon. Yes, he was a spy, right? It's like he's all in there with Nils Barris, and he's it's like finding out that your, you know, your main lieutenant's actually working for the other guy. So uh, it would be like, uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Joe McCarthy finding out that his secretary worked for, you know, Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> or Ash Tyler in Discovery being outed as a Klingon suddenly. Exactly, exactly. But a uh, very fun performer who definitely was – I always love it when they're able to find somebody who uh, did one of these portrayals and bring him back, you know, a couple decades later to still do the role. It's very, very cool, as we saw with our uh, 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 Ms. Dennehy last week, right, who we've uh, had coming back to do uh, more work. So it's really cool when we see that done. So happy birthday, Charlie Brill. Happy birthday goes out to Martin Goslins, who played Satok in the Next Gen 7 season episode, Gambit Part 2. Uh, other episodes include, or other episodes, <laughs> the, being stuck at home forever is killing me. Uh, other birthdays include Sean Ahmed, who played Enshin Shankar in uh, Strange New World's first season episodes, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach and The Serene Squall. Happy birthday to the great voice actress and uh, comedian, as well as Tony Award-winning stage actress and Emmy Award winner, Andrea Martin, who uh, orig- also writes a ton, uh, but originated the role of Ishka in the Deep Space Nine third season episode, Family Business. Andrea Martin, you're on your way to an EGOT there. If you keep going, you've, got the, you've already got the Tony and the Emmy. So keep on working, friend, and maybe some more Star Trek will help you get that. So very, very cool. <laughs> and finally for me, it's uh, Maulik Pancholi, who played the USS Shenzhou's chief medical officer, Nambue, in the Star Trek Discovery pilot episode, The Vulcan Hello. And that's it for my birthday quadrant this particular uh, week, and we'll pass that over to Uncle Jim. Well, believe it or not, we're almost done. I've only got three for you, but the first one is a doozy from one of my favorite movies. I think one of the best Star Trek movies. We should have been on the top Klingon list, but we'll get that. We'll forget about that. We want to say happy birthday to Cynthia Blaze. She appeared in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as young Amanda Grayson giving birth to Spock in a cave. So happy birthday to Cynthia. I threw that in just for me. We also want to say happy birthday to Issa Briones, an English-American actress who portrayed Soji Asha in the first and second seasons of Star Trek Picard. Her father was also in season two, married to Seven of Nine as the president of of, uh, the Earth Empire. I forgot what they were called, but happy birthday to Issa Briones. UAE. Or UEA, yeah. Or you, what, United Earth Empire, yeah. We want to say happy birthday to Jeff 
Yeager, who played Aiden in Star Trek Voyager's seventh season episode, Flesh and Blood. No relation to me whatsoever, but a really cool name, so I had to throw him in there. So that wraps up our birthdays, guys. It's, we're all done, and now it's time for some Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right, Eric, you want to get us started this week with our Star Trek news? Do I ever. Uh, this is our favorite segment, Jim Shatner says, what? And this one is pretty good. William Shatner doesn't expect to return to Star Trek and accuses Paramount of erasing his Kirk. When asked if he would play James T. Kirk again, he indicated he didn't expect that to happen. As a proof, he used a screenshot of the Star Trek collection page on Paramount+. Plus which features images of characters from the various shows, but not his James T. Kirk. For the Star Trek, the original series, there's an image of Leonard Nimoy Spock instead. He said, quote, all you have to do is look at the Paramount Plus graphics to answer that question, Shatner continued. It's not the first time it's been going on for years. It makes no difference to me that a group who think they are enlightened or whatever they think they are obviously feels threatened by the Kirk character. It's a character from a 1960s TV show. Get over it. Shatner is aware that the character of Kirk is part of the Paramount Plus series Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Worlds. He even appeared on stage with actor Paul Wesley at last summer's Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. So he does seem to think there is something specific about his version of Kirk that is the issue. Quote, it doesn't bother me in the least. A bunch of self-righteous strangers think they are sending a message by erasing the past. Who's going to forget? It's everywhere. It's so indoctrinated that it will take many generations to be forgotten, no matter what they do. Let it be. So uh, there you have it. Mr. Shatner feels like he is being erased by recent marketing materials uh, from Paramount+. Plus. And uh, I am curious to hear what you guys think about that, because what he said is true. His face is not there, and his face, I think, think was probably the face of the franchise back in the day. I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't around in the 60s and early Yeah, 30s. some of us were. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah, like, like I'm assuming it was all about Kirk, but I do feel like these days it's all about Spock. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think it's really important to acknowledge that um, I'm a little – it's a little deja vu-y because that was an uncanny uh, – Line reading there, Eric. I was like, Mr. Shatner was in the room with us. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely well done. You know, it's just like this. It's kind of ironic because he's he is with this interview. He is demonstrating the problem. Okay, he's a difficult individual, and he does not play nicely with others, right? I mean, he is. You could take the opportunity to make a, you know an interview like this and do something really, really positive, but he kind of comes across as being a really complainy, negative guy, and he keeps these chips on his shoulders time and time again. You got to kind of play the PR game a little bit, at least the image uh, game a little bit, but he's not 
really super beloved. I mean, he's a he's a, a, a luminary and a legend, and I just wish he would pay a little bit more attention to how he comes across. Right? He does. You know, it's like he came across very authentic when he did the whole space flight thing. Right? Uh, and he was clearly an emotional guy who did something real, and it was really really cool. But it's just, but he gets so mired down, and you know, this is the kind of stuff that your agent should be advising you not to do. Right. Is be like, don't talk like this and don't go out there and say another negative thing that makes you look bad. Work on a little damage control and it's never too late to correct your image. So, but, Paul, uh, would, it, would, it, would, would it be too much to say that there is a disparity between the leadership qualities that we see in Kirk and the sort of leadership qualities that we see in Shatner? And I don't. Like, I don't want to get too, like, deep and philosophical and into the weeds here, but I'm just saying, like, when we see Kirk portrayed on the screen, the man knows how to lead a ship, and he knows how to get stuff done. And I think that, you know, aside from uh, some of the maybe tropes involved, nobody would, would argue on that front. But Shatner, a good leader. Yeah, yeah, a good leader, but... Yeah. But time and time again, it feels like Shatner fails to deliver on that where he's, he's, he is this luminary. He is the, he could be the guy, but his own emotions and his own sort of yeah. um, like chip it's, on his shoulder, like you said, get in the way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but it, but it's often true. He is, he, I, I like William Shatner. Please don't misunderstand me. Okay. I'm a big fan. I, you know, I feel like he was, you know, an absolute hero to me growing up with his depiction oh, of wow. you know, conveying what, what Kirk was like, right? An absolutely hero. When I needed a positive role model of what, uh, you know, heroic, you know, a person could be, I mean, I absolutely looked up to him tremendously. But, you know, in terms of like talking about himself and his coworkers and the business, he's his own worst enemy. Right. And it's just like, you know, you you compare him to like the the Kirk character. Right. Well, you know, Captain Kirk didn't have like an ongoing 30 year feud with like McCoy. Right. right. Like, you know, or Scotty. <laughs> saying, oh, I know he's done some great things for the Federation, but he's a wee jerk, isn't he? I mean, you know, I mean, that, that didn't go on. Everybody always likes Captain Kirk who's worked with him. Right. But people who work with William Shatner don't always like him. Right. I mean, George Takai being, you know, who I'm talking about. Right. I mean, he's been eye rolling, you know, very transparently about, you know, Shatner's antics. And, you know, the, he'd be the first one to say, you know, it's like, Bill, you could completely change your image if you would just stop talking. <laughs> but well, he doesn't do it. You know, he doesn't do it. He's just he cast feels he has to talk. He has to, you know, put his and he puts his foot in it every time. So it's just if he would just take some some, you know, uh, lessons in like, you know, uh, discretion in terms of not every interview is a, is a chance well, to be, but he comes across very negatively and he has no one to blame but himself. And I really love the guy. I wish he would, would course correct. And uh, we were on here talking a couple of weeks ago about like an idea he pitched for a, uh, you know, another kind of like mirror Kirk reappearance. Um, where was it? Enterprise, Eric? You know, was yeah. Yep. Think? Yeah. Great idea, right? And you can't help but wonder, it's just like, well, if you were maybe a little easier to work with, maybe that would have gotten made, right? He just seems like a difficult person. And, uh, I, you know, it's just like they don't keep passing by you because you're busy, right? You know, it's just like you've well, had a lot of times, but they haven't put him. It's been well, generations that the guy's been in anything. 
Well, I want well, to I think that Eric said the comment. Oh, well, the show, the show was the the big character in TOS was Spot was Kirk. Actually, if you read the I am Spock, Kirk wasn't the one that got the ton of mail coming in. Spock was the one getting the big chunk of fan mail. I think Spock is a central character in that show, and as we say, it's Kirk can sometimes be a difficult person to work with. So, is, Charles, but, is this a case how, where Discovery told us that this was the first time that the focus wouldn't be on the captain, but in fact, in TOS, the focus was never on the captain, it was on Spock? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying is the focus was on Kirk, the fans had a bigger interest in Spock. Ah, very nice. Yeah, so they, the fans, no. the fans wanted to get the fans were interested in the Spock character. Yep. They were interested in the alien character, not the captain. The complex character, not the guy that they saw every day on the street, right? But the the right. guy who had like things going on that they didn't totally understand. Yeah, and I think the that's an excellent point that Charles makes. We want to makes. know more about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's I just you know historically that, too. It's just like we uh, in the fan community. I think the characters that are the most enduring, the ones that that resonate and that really people are really gravitate to. Okay, I'm not thinking of Spock, uh, Worf, uh, Data, Duality. Okay, the they're other. the characters. Yeah, they are the characters who are at war with themselves, right? Who you know are half human or are trying to become humans. Right, uh, I think in, in those cases, right? I mean, exactly. Not that Bolanus is popular uh-huh. as, as those other three, but you know what I'm saying, right? But Kirk <laughs> well, is basically the lantern-jawed hero. I mean, you can only get so much mileage out of that, right? But this, the the kind of people I think that are, get drawn to becoming, you know, lifelong Star Trek fans are, are having struggles very often and understand that duality is a thing, right? So I think that uh, that's that helps explain it. But yeah, I think that's why Spock is picture Charles makes a great point because it's the fans that connect with that. I mean, he is certainly the most popular character, as much as everyone loves Anthem Mount on Strange New Worlds. Spock's the most popular character, guaranteed. So is it petty for for Mr. Shatner to be worrying about his face not being represented on the thing? It makes well, you look I desperate. Just, it makes I you look desperate. It's not good. That the poster he's talking about has two TOS characters on it, Spock and Uhura. Uhura was probably the minorest of the characters. She had the least to do on the show. However, it's marketing, man. It's marketing. But you can't have another however, white guy these days. They want diversity. You got to do exactly. You mix it up. She's very popular. But Uhura, Uhura had culturally speaking was the biggest character ever, culturally speaking. Yeah. And so. Yeah. You know, she deserves to be on those posters because she Michelle Nichols in particular. Yeah. For yes, the Michelle yeah. Nichols opened the door for for everybody, for Whoopi Goldberg, for everything. Was was even though she only said tailing frequencies open and whatnot, she, in my opinion, was the most culturally uh, uh, important character ever on Star Trek, and Kirk 
is just another white guy and it's still a white guy. No, but so to me, this is a, a timing thing, right? Like I feel like Kirk has enjoyed his limelight, man. Like Kirk was the very definition of Star Trek for decades and decades and decades. Uh, you know, aside from what Charles was saying, you know, with people connecting to Spock and stuff. So, you know, come on, man, you got to evolve with the times. And if you're going to, like what Paul was saying, if this guy's going to keep up with what's going on in modern day life, acknowledge what's going on around you. Acknowledge that it is important that there are people like Uhura being represented on the poster or Spock who has, you know, the biracial and also emotional thing going on. I mean, that's important for representation. Yeah. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, to wrap it up, man, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, PR 101, any agent or PR person will tell you in Hollywood, right? It's just like appear gracious, even if you don't agree. Be positive. If you get a negative rep, you start losing jobs, right? You've got to appear gracious. Don't say a bunch of negative stuff. You know, be gracious in an interview. You know, talk about the good things. Otherwise, you look like a crank or a jerk. So, you know, it's, it's, it's simple stuff. Well, yeah, also, isn't it, that the reason why Picard TV series – uh, like right after Kirk was named the next generation evolving into the newer modern stage of like what we all just been talking about. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, Paul, you want to, you want to squeeze in this last story here? I do. Yeah. I'd love to. I'll try to be quick. I think we had time for one more and you can file this under, I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Headline is, Andor director jumps ship from Disney to Star Trek. What? what? After finding massive success on streaming, thanks to hit Paramount Plus originals like Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, it looks like, <laughs> take a deep breath, Paramount Pictures is ready to return to the final frontier. I've never heard that sentence spoken before. This time on the big screen. Whoa, another Star Trek movie? Could it be? Per deadline, a new Star Trek movie is in the works uh, from... And it says Haynes, and it doesn't say who Haynes is. So I think they're talking about uh, the guy who was nice uh, on Andor. Uh, I think we're talking about the director of Andor. I want to say it's Toby Haynes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I will just really quick, because uh, Tony yeah, Gilroy also, is the main guy. That's but, correct. Also of Doctor Who fame. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't really say here. It just says Haynes. So I think we maybe have a slightly... Uh, thing here. Uh, anyhow, with the uh, Beetlejuice 2 scribe uh, coming up this next year, uh, Seth Graham Smith is penning the script and J.J. Uh, Abrams' company Bad Robot producing. All right, so there we go. Now, of course, plot deals, details are being kept under wraps, but according to sources close to the production, the project is an origin story that takes place decades before the 2009 Star Trek film that intrudes Kirk Chris Pines, Captain Kirk, Zachary Kintos, Spock, and Zoe Saldana's Lieutenant Neota, Ura through the mix. An origin story. It's reassuring to see the studio handing over the reins to another creative familiar with dealing with major intellectual properties. Uh, Haynes was the principal director on the Rogue One and prequel series Andor, which is up for an impressive eight Emmys, including Best Drama Series. Of course, the Emmys have already taken place, so we're reading the story <laughs> from the past. Oh, just, you know... Maybe we, we switch that up. We wish uh, you would have won, and Yeah, uh, we wish you would have won or, or edited the story. With an impressive resume under his belt, Haynes is a solid pick for the upcoming Star Trek entry. After being handed off to numerous creatives over the years, including Quentin Tarantino at one point, 
Star Trek fans can finally breathe a collective sigh of relief. Not if I can help it. Now that Star Trek nah. 4, if that's what it was going to be called, <laughs> appears to be back on track. And if you believe that, I have a bridge in Brooklyn I'd love to sell you. Because that franchise and the, the brain trust, oh quote-unquote, over at Paramount Pictures is just like, a you mess. know... It's a mess. I don't know. They just cannot commit. They have been, you know, they have become the dictionary definition of development hell, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, they just, you know, it's, comical. I hope, it's, comical. it's ridiculous. I hope writers are getting paid. This is not, and, and again, this is like media, friends, okay? This is not the time to announce your movie. It is really ham-fisted to do it this way, right? It's just like, don't do it. You're contributing to all the nonsense, the time to announce your movie is when you have quietly got everything put together behind the scenes and you're ready to announce that you, have a, <laughs> that you have a cast, okay? <laughs> you, you do it at something like Comic-Con or Star Trek Las Vegas or, or something like that. But you, you have a cast and specifically, and you're ready to say what the plot is. You're ready to announce the log line and you're ready to actually unveil things in a professional manner. That's how you do things. And if you don't have it like that, it just ends up contributing to the whole vibe that you basically just don't have your shit together and we should have no faith in you. Well, so sorry, Paramount Pictures, this is not how it's done. Nope. Well, if they're talking about a if they're talking about an origin story to Star Trek 2009, which in and of itself was an origin story. I know. Then, then I'm thinking mm-hmm. that, the, that it would have to be Captain April on the Enterprise before, because how much further back can you go? I don't we know, man. Muppet babies? I mean, I, well, I mean, it just, <laughs> it calls into question the whole, like, origin story thing. Like, did that, did the Kelvin universe, like, stem from the point that the change happened, or did it exist before and it just lined up with what was happening? I don't know. It's well, very confusing. That's actually a really interesting action. origin story, though, because that would be the, like the explanation of how that Abraham JJ uh, Abrams uh, universe came about. But it's it's supposed to be a branching thing. It's not supposed to have a its own history. Ah, well, I don't they, know. If they, yeah, it's if basically they call, it's just, with the snake is eating its tail again, yes, right? It's again. just instead of going, we keep complaining, Give us right? Fucking, that, uh, I'm resolution of this, man. Yeah, Sorry, and and, like, and apologies for the uh, for the way this uh, was put in here, friends. We're talking about Toby Haynes, okay? Yeah. Is the uh, person from Andor who's been tapped to direct here uh, again? Seth Graham Smith uh, working on the screenplay. So I really am. I'm a big Andor fan, right? I mm-hmm. I thought that show was brilliant. So and subtle and clever, and Toby Haynes did a great job. I mean, what, you cannot fault the directing of Andor at all. It's super, super great. So I would love well, to see somebody smart like this be yeah. brought in to do Star Trek, but it's just, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, it's not that I don't have faith in him and Seth. I don't have faith in the, the decision-making uh, brain uh, brain pans over there at Paramount because I well, just don't well, think that they have a, a good thing. There is one thing I want to say about if Star Trek Four does become a thing, it's going to be a lot different from the other three films. Well, so yeah, the, I think the so other, because the other three films are like dead. I mean, they've got it's just like <laughs> the world has changed. I mean, we don't. No one's going to show up to see those movies with those actors anymore, right? And maybe Zoe Zaldana, you know, but it's just we're, we're, that's all done. They've let you cannot if you leave an open bottle of wine on the counter for like six months and come back. Don't expect that to taste very good and that's what they've done there's been so much time since the last star trek movie right i mean it's yeah. been years everything is done it's like now you've got basically when people say oh star trek and the enterprise people are thinking about strange new worlds 
they're, they're forgotten about all the J.J. verse movies. I mean, J.J. Abrams hasn't even made a movie in forever. It's like he's still licking his wounds or something. I don't know. But it's 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 crazy. So, yeah, it's like fresh blood, you know, smart people like, you know, Toby uh, Haynes. That's great. Get them in there, but get out of their way, Paramount. OK, you've made some really stupid decisions in the last few years handling different aspects of your franchise. And I'm, it's it's a miracle that things like, you know, Prodigy were able to be saved from the, the bumbling ineptitude that's going on over there. So hire good people, but get out of their way. And if they have a good script, leave it alone. Right, because we need something good to get back. Right now, it's just like Star Trek is, doesn't seem like it has a prayer of reclaiming. It's doing okay on Paramount Plus, but but it's a different universe in the box office in in, in 2024 post pandemic cinema. You need to have your shit together, and you need to have a strong yeah. script. And you need to know what you're doing and be confident. And I'm not getting that yet. So it's just too Paul. early, you know. <laughs> on that note, I have we're opinions. What do you want? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're going to say good night. Uh, so that wraps up our podcast for the night, guys. And uh, so I want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure, man. Sorry for running off at the mouth. But, you know, it's always what happens when I'm with you fellas. You're, you're bad influences on me. No, that's <laughs> well, a good influence. But it's fine. You're it's well, you know, we're all passionate about We want it to do well. We want it to come back. We want it to succeed, right? And we've seen it get screwed so many times. Yep. Through, you know, uh, yeah. dudes in suits who have no business getting near science fiction, right? And, yep. uh, and just, I don't want to see it happen again. And so I think it's no. important for us in the fan community to speak out and, uh, and you know, help, uh, you know, convey the lessons of the past, right? If it and, doesn't uh, excite us, then we need to let them know. Yeah. And it's just like, well, right now you've told us nothing. You've given us some rumors about another origin story. And I want to hear that. It's just like, oh, great. I'd, I'd love to have another old flat beer. Thanks. That sounds wonderful. No, I want something new and exciting that I'm like, oh, my God. Eric, I want to pick up the phone and call Eric. Eric, did you hear this? Yep. Oh, my God. You're not going to believe it, right? That's the reaction I need to get where it's like where we basically all of us cannot stop thing stop talking in the show chat all day because we're so turned on by the story idea that we heard, but that's not what we got. So well, wait a you second. Know, wait a second. What about the Patrick Stewart script that he has in his hands? Uh, I really, I, I think it's time to be done. I think it's time to be done. I really do. I mean, they went out Patrick on a great Stewart note. Patrick Stewart says that he's, he's got a script in his hands for, for a, oh, that one last TNG movie to wrap things up and, you That's know, what season we'll three of Picard was. They've wrapped that's it a, up. Let it go. We need to talk about it some fail. more, Jim. That's that's yep. a whole separate show, man. Yeah, yep. that's, that's, that's a whole big thing. I, I think it's yeah, just like yeah. knowing when to leave gracefully when things aren't screwed up is a is an art. That's and right. Again, yeah. again, it's being gracious and and knowing when you're when you're done, you know. And but it's just I think they ended on such a great note with season three of Picard. I think you you made like a holiday. day. Yeah, like you're done, dude. Reunion for. A farewell tour with Kiss for the you know, Kiss yeah. on their farewell tour, and it just never ends. It just goes on yeah. for decades. It's it's time you to know? you got to recognize when you're done, man, and just, just take like, off yeah, the makeup. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right. You know, it's, we, we final also tap, right? To... I mean, we're talking. It's like final tap. <laughs> yeah, we we want to say thank you, of course, to David for hanging out and truck talking with us. David, thank you so much. Yeah, and hey, Jim, get Paramount Plus to be our guest. There you go. <laughs> we yeah, have a couple of things to say to them. <laughs> and we don't um, bite uh, thank much. you to Charles. 
for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Well, thank you. And as as with as Paul's comment, when Jim posted this this video on truck talking, my comment was, "I'll believe it when I see a preview of the movie." Yeah. Yeah. When somebody's yep. when somebody's called and said, uh, "Okay, that's a wrap," it's like then you know maybe you're safe, right? But uh, yeah, now I want a wrap. <laughs> Not a chicken wrap, David. Uh, you're gonna have to get someone who delivers, man. <laughs> Triple wrap. Triple wrap. Delicious. And of course, uh, we, we got to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. It's it's been fun. Oh man, I have so much fun with you guys. It is definitely the highlight of every single Thursday, and I I'm so excited that all our fans out there love this podcast so much too, because it, it lets me know that we actually connect with people. Right? It's not just yeah. a bunch of old white dorks like figuring <laughs> figuring stuff out. <laughs> Other people actually want to listen to us. <laughs> well, this is a really good theme this week, right? Because it was a theme. Jim picked a really good theme for us yeah. to talk about because it really encouraged conversation right we all got fired up because it's like we love this stuff right who doesn't love the klingons right it's just like you could do one like this on data right you could do one like this on spock i mean it's just it's uh or mccoy yeah yeah it's super fun when there's a uniting theme that everybody wants to talk about because it's like we have all got years of uh, interest vested in it so really well done uh and we've had cool themes cool guests lately it's exciting year for track talking to be sure 2024 is a good year we're going to have figures to give away maybe next week maybe oh, the following week but i'll let you guys know and of course thank you to ray for calling from the bronx as well and i gotta say that i thought it was absolutely awesome the one episode that ray said he loved the most that he ran back and rewatched it again was what episode eric the musical episode space rhapsody baby yep he watched it twice he loved it i thought that was great and i thought it was great that he also loved those old science guys, the two episodes that we put at the top of our list as well. So that's really, really cool. And I want to let you guys know our upcoming schedule. So as of right now, on the 23rd, Rob and Curtis and Vaj Potenza are going to be with us to talk about Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. This is their reunion tour that was canceled due to technical difficulties of Blog Talk Radio last month. Well, it's finally happening. Uh, so that's a Tuesday, be, right? So it's a Tuesday a t- show, not the regular it, Thursday show. Yep. Yep, because that's when Robin Curtis was available, so that's when I had to take it. So um, what are you going to do? Yep. I know. You got you got to do it. On the 25th, <laughs> unless we hear any difference, Major Mania will be Woo! on the 25th. We're going to talk about Major Barrett, her effects on Star Trek, all the characters that she's played. Unless Frank Promigo gets back to me and says we want to give away some figures on the 25th. If that happens, we'll bump that show up. But as of right now, the 25th will be Mutual Mania. And the 29th, which which is a Monday, will be Book Nook. We're going to talk about Patrick Stewart's Making It So, and we're going to give away a copy of that book to one lucky fan. Um, And then on the 1st, we have Greg Sargent, who played the Andorian Ambassador Thrawn, Star Trek Enterprise and Dorian Incident. So that's our upcoming schedule. Subject change based on celebrities availabilities. But as of right now, that's our schedule. So there you have it. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying everybody, please be good to each other and stay safe. Star Trek fans 
are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Live long and prosper. Hey, y'all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.